I specifically gravitated towards the Titans position because my director basically told me that we do work a lot with timing and editing. So if I'm trying to be a director in the future, this is a good opportunity to spread my wings and tap into a lot of the other parts of the process. everyone to Straight Ahead, an animation podcast where we spotlight rising black, indigenous, and people of color who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Ray Mendoza-Landa, one half of your co-host. And I'm Yuki Okamura-Wong, the other half of our whole host. Our guest this week is Jalen Tate-Lucas. He is a black artist working as a storyboard artist at Warner Brothers Animation. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself? Hey everybody, my name is Jalen. I'm from Detroit, Michigan. I went to the College for Creative Studies. Uh, in the museum district of Detroit. And uh, I love playing volleyball. I like long walks on the beach. And I like drawing comics and I like animation. Awesome, awesome, man. Yeah, beautiful. So the way we like to start off on Straight Ahead is by playing a little game called In Between. We're going to give you two similar choices and then you have to choose in between the two of them and then let us know why. Okay. All right. It'll make more sense what we <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to say, wait, so, it's, so I'm choosing one of the two. One of the two. Yes, yes, yes. I got you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. In between is just a fun name for the... Just a pun. It's an animation term. Ah, just I a see, pun. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. So as usual, I'll start us off with the first question. Who would you rather have give you a motivational speech? Naruto from Naruto or Kamina from Gurren Lagann? Oh my goodness. Oh, I forgot. I told you guys what I was into. I was like, how would they know? Absolutely pinpoint targeted question. I was like, how would they know these are my inspirations in life? Um, uh, You know, that's not as hard as I would think it would be. It's easily Kamina. All right. Yeah. Look, look, I love Naruto. That's my like favorite anime by like just association, but I think spiritually Gurren Lagann is my favorite anime of all time. And mm-hmm. I feel like Naruto would kind of take a long time to get to the point whereas Kamino <laughs> would probably just like slap the shit out of me or deck me in the face and be like and just tell me the most inspirational thing I've ever heard in my life and like immediately mm-hmm. we'd get into action. So like yeah, coming all day. More no, to the for point. Sure. I, <laughs> yeah, I get you. I totally, totally agree. I feel like with, with Naruto, it's more of a sense of like, it's more like emotional. And it does take a longer time for him to get to his point. With Kamen, yeah. it's like, he pumps you up. He riles you up to like, jump into action. 100%. <laughs> I, I, I still love the, believe in the you that believes in me. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that or like. Or believe in the me that believes in you. It's like yep. dumb enough where in the moment you're like, that sounds like something. And then later on, you might feel like that might have not been anything, but it worked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm all about like show, don't tell. And that's the thing about the Gurren Lagan speeches mm. is that they're telling you everything you need to hear at that exact moment. And then mm-hmm. they just do it. Yeah. And, that's the, and mm. that's the awesome thing, right? They just lead by example. And I'm all about that. You feel me? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Yuki? Who would you um, rather have give you a motivational speech? I don't know. I mean, I feel like Kamina is a really strong pick here. Naruto has mm-hmm. he could he could uh what talk jutsu you into talk doing no anything jutsu. basically. <laughs> so I don't know. I think it's not a bad option, but like I don't know, Kamina is just more fun. What yeah. a bro! Mm-hmm. What That's a, bro, a good bro. point. I mean, Naruto could like fix something inside of you that you never knew was a problem in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, like deeply like therapy. Yeah, Naruto's words seem to like cure like mental illnesses. (laughs) Maybe I need that in my life. Maybe I need Naruto in my life right now. Yeah, (laughs) to watch all six hundred or whatever episodes again. Yeah, seven hundred, I think. Is it really? Oh, oh man. man. <laughs> I, I never got that far. And then I watched the, the last movie and I was like, good enough. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a good movie. It was, it was mm. cool. I was surprised at the direction of it. Anyway. I always love all the Naruto fights. That they, mm. they go so ham. They do. <laughs> 
I wish I could remember the name of the artist right now that uh does like the like super posed out ones like Kakashi and Obito and like the ones in the like Forest of Death from like the original series. I actually have a friend mm-hmm. that works on Boruto as a keyframe animator. Nice. Um, oh wow. And he knows all the people's names, man. That guy's great. That's awesome. Nice, nice. All right, final question. Which pair do you think would win in an eating competition? Shaggy and Scooby-Doo from Scooby-Doo or Cyborg and Beast Boy from Teen Titans? Whoa, that's... Well, it's... I mean, Shaggy and Scooby-Doo, dude. Like, they can, like... (laughs) They eat, like, mile-high sandwich. Like, Cyborg and Beast Boy... Okay, wait, though. Wait. No, actually... (laughs) Actually, because Beast Boy... Because, like... Okay, does Beast Boy, can Beast Boy transform into anything? Or does he have to just be, like, base Beast Boy? Like, can he be a T-Rex or whatever? Like, that's pretty yeah, big, Yeah, because he right? can or, just turn into, like, a giant like dinosaur. A whale, and like right? Yeah, just eat more yeah. just because he has a bigger mouth. <laughs> I guess that's true. Let's handicap Beast Boy, but let's just say he could, he's only his base form. Oh. Yeah. He can't transform. St- I'd still argue Scooby and Shaggy just because those, like mile high sandwiches that they down in like one bite like mm-hmm. yeah the the tune force is strong with those ones i was gonna say like <laughs> i feel like it's a little roger rabbit rules right like they could eat as much as they want as long as it's funny <laughs> yeah yeah as long yeah, as it, it's it's a punchline <laughs> <laughs> and if i'm not mistaken i want to almost confidently say i feel like the whole eating like a mile high sandwich thing originated from scooby-doo right i feel like since then other Pretty characters sure. have kind of like done like those tall sandwiches and just do the big like they exactly they the size of the mouth to, like, take yeah. A bite. <laughs> yeah 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 i want to say that probably originated with scooby so i probably like would also go with that yeah give us mm-hmm. some ogs <laughs> you gotta yeah, yeah, yeah. respect them <laughs> <laughs> Same with you, Yuki. You think uh, Scooby and Shaggy? I do think so. I think it would change a little if, like, Beast Boy could just be a giant, like, whatever, like a T Rex yeah. or a whale or oh, like yeah. anything, Hands like, down, really sure. large. But I think if the playing field's kind of even, like, no, I gotta give mm-hmm. it to Scooby yeah, and Shaggy. They're done mm-hmm. <laughs> <Donzo. laughs> <laughs> Ultimate KO. Well, thanks so much, Jalen, for playing in between with us. And to our audience, if you have any suggestions for future in between questions, send us a message either on Twitter or Instagram at Straight Ahead AP or send us an email at straightaheadpodcasts at gmail.com. So I just want to say thanks again, Jalen, for being on the podcast. Thank you for your time. We really appreciate having you on. We also really appreciate you wearing. Even though this is specifically an audio podcast, you wearing your Robin costume is so great. integrity. It's <laughs> <laughs> the thought that counts. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, to start off, could you tell us how you first got your start working in the animation industry? Yes. So, fresh out of college, I uh, started working at a restaurant in Birmingham, Michigan. And like immediately afterwards, I was like, all right, one thing I like about being in school is having a schedule mm. and like deadlines. And like without that, I think I might fall behind a little bit. So I put together a discord group called Crocodoodle Dudes that all of my buddies <laughs> and I basically shut. We it, it, it started as us just having like biweekly like right like, like rap sessions where we'd all like we pick a beat. And then we'd uh, we'd all like write a verse to the beat and then meet up a week later and then like present it to each other and all on the same beat. And then that (laughs) turned into the group chat where we started to do biweekly presentations where we just set a goal for two weeks and then came back and presented whatever we created in that two weeks. Uh And so that basically kept me on track coming out of school. Oh, wow. Nice. As far as like making Mm -hmm. sure I was still developing my portfolio and everything. Mm -hmm. So at some point. One of those biweekly goals became like applying to a certain amount of gigs every like within those two weeks, like every time I saw something available, just apply, apply, apply. And uh, that was nice. I got a few like subtle opportunities here and there, like a freelance thing here and a freelance thing there, just like working for like independent people for a little bit. But then Mm -hmm. basically what happened is, is uh, some of my friends that were already or one of my friends that was already working in the industry. Uh, was friends with one of the directors 
who went on Twitter, the director went on Twitter and uh, basically sent a message out saying that he wanted to do some portfolio reviews for uh, people of uh, people of color. Mm. Um, so mm, cool. my friend put in a word for me. So just like working through connections and I uh, talked to him and he said, yeah, man, I feel like you should be able to get entry level pretty, pretty easily. So, you know, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll talk to some people that can like maybe shop your name around a little bit. And like after talking to and thankfully, having done the discord group and everything, I was actually ready to like show very recent work um, and not just mm-hmm. like stuff from like a year or so ago from school. Mm-hmm. And through and through those contexts that he plugged me into, I started to work on some freelance gigs for like random, like a couple of random companies, one in like Australia. Mm, where we worked yeah. on like a like underground project for like lego for a second that was really really interesting oh whoa was that for flying bark or no it's it's an unannounced thing oh, i don't okay. i don't even know if it's getting made they didn't know if it was getting made when we were making it it was an extremely <laughs> experimental idea and okay. i have never seen a more insane script in my life it is oh it, it was insane it had pictures on it like there was there was like a key for like what each text meant and involvement for like what part of the media we were working in was there was like 20 different colors like of like text and they're like you're gonna be working on all the yellow ones and the green ones and i'm like (laughs) what does this mean like it was crazy (laughs) and this was my first like official gig you could say so i was just like i want to see that yeah i want whatever hopefully it gets that's insane yeah yeah but my first full-time gig was basically like after a while that same person that sent out the message about doing portfolio reviews they had an opening on the show uh casa grandes which he was directing Mm. on at the time so he just um they just sent out a test to me and a handful of other people and uh i tested and got the job wow that's amazing and then did you did you get in as a board artist or revisionist for the casa grandes I got so we did the test um, between me and a few other people and poured my heart and soul into that thing. <laughs> Probably turned it in a little later than I should. It was very close to the deadline, oh. but I really wanted mm-hmm. it to be perfect. Yeah. And so I sent it to them and it was taking a minute and I had to wait like a whole like Christmas break to like get the results. Like if I had if it had <laughs> if they had done the review a day earlier, then I would have known then. But since mm. like somebody like left for like vacation, like the one person who could make the decision, mm-hmm. like I had uh-huh. to make like a whole like vacation uh, <laughs> to get the, the waiting result. is the worst. Yeah, it's yeah, awful. But basically, yeah, they I did my interview afterwards, um, and they basically told me that because I was applying for a revisionist position, but they told me that they liked the boards that 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 I did so much that they um wanted to put me in as a storyboard a floater if you've ever oh, heard okay. of that yeah it's not yeah, like okay. a yeah yeah it's not like an official like position by any means but it's like yeah it varies from production to production not every production has a floater but i've yeah. heard a few that did have that position yep mm-hmm. yep mm-hmm. so were you doing like boards half the time and then revisions half the time sorry just to like kind of yeah, explain yeah. for our audience yeah can you explain a little bit more like what a floater <laughs> does yeah, yeah, yeah. So as a floater, basically, like my responsibilities were to just kind of help, just kind of help out. So like I would get sequent like small sequences in other people's episodes, because on that show, you had one person per episode for mm. a six week cycle. Oh, wow. Um, mm-hmm. So so they were they were doing a lot of work on yeah. that show. It was just tough. But um, mm. but those those board artists were amazing, though. So basically, I might get a sequence from them. Just like and like maybe like a tiny bit of like script to kind of like dabble with. And uh, I would just kind of like fill in some like fill in some areas that they wanted to be like reworked. So you can say like, yeah, kind of like a revisionist, but like I was revising things at an earlier stage than a revisionist would, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. And then that evolved into me actually taking a page or two of script at a time and slowly kind of working my way into traditional boarding. And at a certain point, mm-hmm. I actually ended up splitting with another actual like official board artist on the show, like full, like larger chunks of like mm-hmm. script. So, yeah, it was the perfect easing in yeah. of like going from like starting out like at the baseline and like being where I am now doing like boards like full time. 
I'm yeah, sure. for sure. That's really nice. Yeah, it's like almost like a faster way of getting some of like yeah, getting some of that experience. You know, getting that mileage under your belt, like as like a floater, especially starting off with like maybe like you're probably working off thumbnails or roughs in, initially, and then finally just doing your own thumbnails yep. and kind of working on that. Like that's insane. Yeah, floaters, floaters are always interesting to me. I wish we had a floater on my on my production because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we're also like one board artist per six week cycle for like eleven minute. Yeah. But sometimes our director takes on a few pages. It just depends on the situation. But right. uh, yeah, floaters have always interested me in the idea just because uh, also thinking about like how the way animation is sometimes, sometimes people feel like because of how tight the deadlines are, they feel like they can't take a break. And honestly, you should. You should never feel like you shouldn't be able to take a break. But yeah. if there was like a floater there, you would feel a lot more comfortable actually taking a day to yourself and the floater yeah. kind of coming in and filling up any mm-hmm. gaps that happen to be there. Yeah. yeah, and that's exactly what happened. It was like, okay, so and so's feeling a little, feeling a little, feeling a little out of it today. Mm-hmm. Think you could jump in and like, like hit this little section so that they can take a bit of a break. And I'm like, yeah, that's so I'll nice. take whatever you got. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I guess so. The next thing I kind of want to segue into is, uh, especially kind of, we're talking a little bit about schedules. Is that what is your schedule like week to week storyboarding on a show like Teen Titans Go? Because that's the current production you're on right now, right? Right. So, whew, what an interesting question. So, <laughs> Teen Titans Go is not like other shows at all. Like, first of all, we work out of uh, Adobe Animate or Flash, uh, mm-hmm. as it used to be called, uh, not Storyboard mm-hmm. Pro. And we do not have revisionist on Teen Titans Go. And oh, we well. also, yeah, and we also do, we edit. And we we do a little bit of uh we time out our boards and we work a little bit with sound too to just help pitch our boards and we don't we don't do pitches because we just play we get all the audio files at the beginning and so like we splice everything together and like work with the directors to actually basically create the first animatic oh. of the boards on top of the drawings and they just play it so we we don't do pitches on that show so in that way since there's no like there's really not really like multiple deadlines throughout the the schedule technically there is like you want to have like a rough pass done within like the first week mm-hmm. uh, so i should mm-hmm. say there's it's a four-week cycle oh, okay. but we split we split the episodes oh, yeah yeah we have two board artists per 11 minute episode though but it's okay. four weeks okay okay two port two board artists per 11 minute uh episode and yeah, we'll split that in half. Yeah. Uh, the directors tend to like give us like what they where we think they think our strengths lie the most. They'll kind of assign us the sections based on that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think typically in the first week, I like to have my thumbnails done for an episode. Realistically, like within that first week, I like to have like half of my episode like thumbed and like honestly timed even with a little bit of sound within like the first half of the week and then like because after two weeks your roughs like have to be done like you have to be done with your roughs by the first two weeks so you kind of want to be working on roughs by the end of the first week it's it's honestly Mm -hmm. a wild process and i think everyone's got their own schedule that they kind of work off of on titans and so Mm -hmm. i'm always asking people like what works the best for you Mm -hmm. and i'm honestly still kind of figuring it out it's like super kind of up in the air which is fun honestly it's actually kind of cool to be able to just kind of work off of your own like format Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's definitely a challenge like like starting out on that so but yeah to sum it up in that first week i like to get my thumbnails done and start the roughs and then that second week uh the roughs should be done by like earlier in that week so that you can get send them into your director and then work on uh, any revisions to the roughs until the end of that second week and mm-hmm. then by monday they'll of the third week they'll send that up to our executive producer uh pete and he'll do his uh, review of it and basically you'll take pete's notes and start to work those in while you do the cleanup and then that goes through to the rest of the uh to the end of the episode mm-hmm. at the and that mm-hmm. fourth week oh, okay wow. so that's that's insane to me that's like because Honestly, Titanic Go is really fun to watch. Like, it's a fun show, but like, yeah, four weeks to do, like, you know, you have the audio. So, splicing an animatic together, doing your roughs. And you say you guys have no revisionists. So, like, is there like time for you guys to clean up your boards after the four weeks? Or is that four weeks specifically has to be roughed, thumbnailed, roughed, and then clean in that four week span? Yep. All that. That's, <laughs> I that's think, insane. Like, that is 
crazy. Well, it's not that crazy. I think I don't actually. I've only known a few productions on Craig. It was like that, but they had five teams, so they at least had a skip week after the fourth week. So it wasn't like back to back episodes for them, which was really nice. But yeah, they had a similar mm-hmm. four week turnaround for eleven minute two board artists. Um, yep. The the real mm-hmm. thing that's like throwing me is that they give you the audio beforehand yeah. because normally, right, you would like get a script, do your boards, throw in some jokes, do all this other stuff, and then like yep. they would record based off of the board, right? Like that's yeah that they already so, have like sound for you. Greg is board driven, so they don't really have a lot of the lines ahead of time. I'm assuming mm. Teen Titans is script driven, so yeah. But do is. they always do that oh, okay. on script driven shows? Like, where they record first? I don't think so. I, it, like, Not sounds so weird, right? Yeah. Well, on Wings of Fire, they did that for us. Usually when we started oh, an episode, okay. we had all the audio files from the get-go. But that's because oh. we were working in Blender. We were doing this this different format. But yeah. usually, uh, I don't get the audio files. So, like, after the first week, after we got given the script and doing our thumbnails, yeah. is when we get the audio files, like, probably, like, mid-second week. So, it depends on the production. But I do think it's very rare or very unique situationally when you get the audio files before you even start yeah i think too on our show i think they just really like the performances like these voice actors are the same ones that were voicing the voicing on the show like at the very beginning in the original series of teen titans yeah and uh they're just really good at performing these lines so i think for them it's just convenient to be for us to be able to drop the sound in and then play our character acting based on the voices and the acting performances that they're doing. For sure. Because um, there there will be sequences that I'll thumb out like in a in one way, which is why now I like to get audio in as soon as possible. Sometimes we don't have it. Um, sometimes it's mm-hmm. just not it's just not in right at the beginning of the episode. So we have to just kind of like loosely get an idea down. Mm-hmm. But I've had ideas that I wanted to play super simple. Um, like there was this one scene I did recently where like super like gross, like there's like a close up. Somebody's getting beat up by like a foot, basically. Mm-hmm. And in the script, <laughs> it's just like, here, take this. And I'm like, OK, good. It's a short line. Like, I don't have to like draw this for too long. And I did like two poses. And then mm-hmm. I <laughs> and then I dropped the audio file in. And one of the voice actors is like. Here, take this. Like he's giving it his everything. And I'm like, oh, no. And you can tell that they 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 want that. They really want to lean into this scene. And I'm like, yeah, oh, dear. (laughs) I have to spend a lot of time on this disgusting shot. But it's funny. Mm -hmm. Uh It's funny. And like it lends itself to like some pretty awesome like like character acting moments. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. I guess that brings up another question because I think if I remember correctly, I think Family Guy is like the same way where they work off the audio because it's more about the jokes rather than the, the boards. Yeah, that makes but sense. With Teen Titans Go, like how often like do you like let's say like after you guys do the first pass, you drop the audio, like are you guys giving like alternate like line suggestions or like maybe adding in something like, hey, this there's something disconnected between these two scenes. Can we have like a line kind of segue to segue this better or like yeah how is ours is it or you guys specifically stick to the audio without any like further suggestions no man everything's up in the air on this show like (laughs) anything can anything can change at the drop of a hat and our directors send us new scratch all the time we drop in scratch sometimes when we think something can be amped up a little bit uh performance wise or other yeah, we're always like making changes in that way. We've had people record like scratch of like entire like rap songs mm-hmm. and and like board oh, off wow. of that and then play it out. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's all up in the air. Like, you, you it just kind of depends on what your director is kind of feeling and where they kind of want to take it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, I have one more question before we move on. From this. <laughs> Who has been your favorite character to board off of then since you get like the audio oh, clips? One. Uh, like based off of their like based their, off their uh, performance. audio performances, mm-hmm. uh, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> Scott is so funny. He's so funny. I feel like I identify with that character so much, or at least like just like like a younger version of myself, just like trying way too hard to yes. be like like cool and like <laughs> self like inserting and like being in that like leadership <laughs> role, but also like. At the butt of like every joke, like that's definitely like I super identify with that. And he's also just like always screaming and like 
he just he he feels he really you can tell he's really putting himself in that character when he's performing that role. And I've seen clips <laughs> mm-hmm. of him in the booth. He gets into it like they're very physical when they voice act for that show. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Scott's performance as Robin is top tier. <laughs> That's so funny. I love that. I think yeah. especially like having a lot of nostalgia for the old like two thousands cartoon. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's so funny how much they f- make fun of, like, how serious Robin was. Because he was at the yeah. center of a lot mm-hmm. of the, like, drama <laughs> yeah, <laughs> originally, yeah. too. So. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, yeah. I, I love both series. And I, I really do like the, the new series isn't afraid to take, like, shots at itself and be yeah. a little self-deprecating sometimes. But, like, it's all, like, it's just meant to be fun. It's not a serious show, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just, like, yeah. it's great. And it, it, because of that, it leads to, like, so many more fun storylines oh 100 percent. so the next thing i kind of want to ask is that what was it about animation that made you want to pursue it as a career so my first day at ccs i came in as an illustration major because mm. i was just like i like to draw i knew i wanted to work in entertainment in some way shape or form and then that mm-hmm. same day i was like wait i think it makes more sense to be like attached, like networking wise to people who are going to be like directly cooperating with the people in the industry mm-hmm. than to just like, so I was, so that same day I switched majors and went to animation. Cause I was like, just for mm. like the connections um, mm. and turned out to be a really good idea. And uh, basically, so once I got in there and started getting introduced to like the process and how like things are made, I was like, okay, that's cool. That's cool. And, uh, Really, I just really like films, honestly, particularly live action films. Like I'm a huge film buff. I love horror films specifically. I'm a mm. huge fan of and just like dramas and thrillers. Mm. And so basically, like one day I was just talking with a friend and I was like, I wonder who decides what gets made. Like, <laughs> who decides what films people get with put on screen? Money. <laughs> right. So I Googled it. And it was like, and they were like, well, a lot of times directors have a lot of pull in like being able to pitch ideas. And I was like, all right, cool. How do you become a director? And then they were like, well, typically directors start off as storyboard artists. And I was like, okay, I'm a storyboard artist now. (laughs) That's all it was. I was just like, I want to make a movie. And then I just went down this like pipeline that eventually led to me finding out that like storyboard artists. That was like just like a good starting point for like working my way, way up to the point where I could start pitching ideas and. Uh, have a little bit of like pull to make some stuff happen right mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i guess also to kind of say like typically like within animation like going from board artist to like episode director to supervisor director and then like you know overall director yep. tends to be like the pathway but it's not the case for like every person like again uh the creator of like santiago the sea started off as a color designer yeah. so, like so you can if you have the passion and dedication you can definitely move up to that position but like I don't even want to say the most straightforward path, but the most common path tends to be from board artist to to that position. Or again, sometimes even writers, writers yeah, also yeah. can writers. eventually get to that position because Carissa Valencia, creator of Spirit Rangers, was a yeah. writer and she wow. get, went to that position. So yeah. that's insane. Like, yeah, but. I think, too, I, I specifically gravitated towards the Titans position because the the person that kind of like brought me on with them because we mm-hmm. were uh, Casa Grandes didn't get renewed it, it, uh, for a new season so everybody kind of spread out to a new to new shows mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. my director that I went on the Titans with basically told me that um, we do work a lot with timing and editing so if I'm trying to be a director in the future like this is a good opportunity to kind of like spread my wings and like tap into a lot of the other parts of the process as far as like putting an episode together which would look good and in like a resume basically when i'm like applying to be a director like having had had my hands on like different parts of the process besides just like pitching the boards and like drawing the boards Mm -hmm. and actually like knowing like what good timing is and like how to like actually like put it together and like edit it yeah yeah i think about yeah you're you're very very right like that's very true because when you do move up into those further positions or higher positions it is like less strong. It's more just being in the edit booth or like, yep. you know, mm-hmm. viewing reels and just kind of seeing like how things are cutting and slicing together and yeah, getting a sense of that timing. So that's, mm-hmm. no, you're totally right. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Having more tools and understanding the tools to like make a vision come true is for mm-hmm. sure. Like you'll need those mm-hmm. and you can learn them 
like later on but people don't teach you like how to be a director there's no like how to be yeah. a director class mm -hmm. so it's really tough sometimes when like showrunners get in there and they're like i've only ever been like a board artist and i've never led a team kind of thing and then you're like oh mm -hmm. no i have a show how do i tell people to do the thing i wanted without me doing it myself mm. yep <laughs> mm -hmm. so yeah absolutely <laughs> learning those skills is super important mm -hmm. so you you kind of already touched on a bit uh going to the college for creative studies in detroit mm -hmm. michigan and how like you shifted majors one of the things you kind of also did while you were there is that you participated in the college for creative studies like annual 48 hour challenge yes um, and you won one with a film titled or short film titled i'm fine can you tell yeah. us a little bit about that because that sounds very similar to uh you know the 24-hour animation challenge that kind of like all a lot of schools get to participate in and like basically you get a prompt you get 24 hours in a team of five to make a 30-second short film like what is the 40-hour challenge oh man that's that's a fun topic to bring up <laughs> uh yeah 48-hour challenge is basically just like an annual event at ccs where we all come into a big auditorium everybody's like got their teams that they signed up with and we get a prompt that everyone has to work off of and you get mm. two days to make a film about whatever that prompt is and the cool part about it is it's not exclusive to animation there's film and game entries oh believe it or game not. Entries. Yes, game as well that people put together little demos and stuff and they like play them out and like It'll just based on the prompts and we all and it's just a competition and it's mostly like vote based. Everybody gets a sheet that they kind of put their scores on for like the quality of like whatever films they did. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. yeah, man, it's an intense two days. <laughs> You're tired. <laughs> uh, you probably were already pulling all nighters before the 48 hour challenge started. <laughs> so like. No, yeah, it's super. I, I have like the coolest and most talented like friends like ever. Um, and so like there's all like everybody's able to do everything like as far as like the pipeline and process goes. So we were always able to like distribute the work appropriately. Mm -hmm. And we had already done one before the one that we won with I'm Fine. That was like we completed a film. That's a a gift in and of itself. Like mm -hmm. like Absolutely. that that challenge is not easy. But that that film was awesome because basically what we ended up doing is we made we had a system where basically there was a through line so there was like two shots that everything was connected to and then there was a, a section dedicated to each one of us so that way we didn't have to keep up with too much continuity wise mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and we could all just kind of work our own style in just based off of the same like character model which is like this like weird looking kid with like a huge head and he, he kind of looks like the pringles man if he had a body and no mustache <laughs> no that yeah that whole process is super fun super competitive everybody's like going crazy and scrambling but the best part is seeing those films and figuring out like what people can get done in two days because yeah. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. insane but yeah we always me and my teams we always stuck to 2d just traditional 2d and uh mm -hmm. able to get some pretty solid films out of it that's amazing. Well, it's, is it is there a specific like length requirement for the film or just as long as you complete the prompt, yeah. like as long as the prompt comes across, whether it's 30 seconds or a minute? I mean, yeah, yeah. As long as as long as it's like, yeah, the prompt comes across like it can be really whatever you want it to be like it, any length, mm -hmm. any medium, anything. Mm -hmm. It's insane to see other schools have something similar because I know like SCAD has their own version of 24 hour animation mm -hmm. as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it's crazy because, yeah, like we, Yuki and I, we've participated in a we only ever participated in one, but we've done a 24 hour challenge. And just even just 24 hours is insane. I can't imagine trying to do it two days straight. Like you would think mm -hmm, you would yeah. have more time, but like being up for two days straight is does not sound great to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, we learned as we went on that, like, you can get some sleep just on take that some, first some day. Naps. Yeah. Get, yeah. Yeah. Get okay, some sleep sense. on that first day. Like we, we'd sleep like underneath the like desk. The desk. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was it was pretty fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming participating because like how many years did you go? Were you attending uh, CCS Four. and then did you participate every year? Or only like how, how many years did you participate in that? We participated three times. We did three years. Okay. You must have gotten an insane amount of mileage just doing three back to back. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty it was pretty epic. <laughs> <laughs> 
I guess for maybe people that might be attending that school now or people that are interested in participating in a version of like 24 hour or in like, you know, a challenge of making a film in a, in a short amount of time. Yeah. Any advice or recommendations like you would have done differently or like looking back at it now, like, oh, we could have definitely better managed our time if we approached it this way. Yeah. It's really important to appoint a leader, I think, is pretty is a pretty big deal to have somebody to kind of play the role of director and kind of guide things in a certain direction and for everybody else to kind of like respect that authority on Mm -hmm. some level so that things can Mm -hmm. remain like concise yeah honestly like it's it's tough it's really it's a really hard challenge to do but like if you stay concise and organized and you're able to like agree like with people when that when it's necessary and kind of just get a cohesive idea together and try Mm -hmm. not to do too much you know what Mm -hmm. i mean and kind of let the film grow as you're making it like like kind of have like a simple idea that grows into something as you're making it as opposed to the other way around where you have all these ambitions that you want to get done in two days and then like you start Mm -hmm. to try and like live up to those ambitions and then you like can't you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah because like by the end of the day when it comes to like winning those competitions whatever your like aesthetic is I, the funny ones tend to win too. I'll say that the ones, <laughs> the ones that make people laugh are the ones that tend to like connect with people the most. Um, in in my experience, so mm-hmm. do whatever your heart desires. Honestly, like the prize is really just like a bonus. I think the joy of it really just comes down to like the fact that everyone's making films in two days. Yeah, but mm-hmm. me and my friends, we're pretty dang competitive. <laughs> but but we never let that get in the way of us just like have having fun and like that's good yeah yeah so it'll translate like if you're having a good time it'll translate in the film you know if Mm -hmm. you're not having a good time that'll also probably translate (laughs) in the film so try to enjoy for sure absolutely Mm -hmm. so one of the next things to kind of want to ask you is that are you currently like working on any personal projects is there any personal projects that you kind of want to get going on your end yeah absolutely so i'm working on a comic series right now my Big oh, cool. passion passion project of all time is to make an animated horror film. Ooh. Um, and I've oh wow. And what I'm basically my path to that right now is to make it into a graphic novel first, mm. and try mm-hmm. to pitch it and get it adapted somewhere. That's basically my goal right now. Mm-hmm. And where mm-hmm. I'm, and so to prepare for that because I actually don't have a lot of experience like drawing comics and graphic and working on comics. So what I'm doing right now is like a preliminary step to like working on that series is I'm making an mm-hmm. anthology comic series of like short horror stories mm-hmm. that all take place oh, in the universe that the main story takes place in and that'll kind of like I'm using that as a platform to develop the the visual style and the character style Mm -hmm. that's going to be prevalent in the main series. Mm -hmm. And it's great because I love anthology horror like Creep Show, the movie Creep Show, the Mm -hmm. Twilight Zone, anything Mm -hmm. where it's like short bits of like horror that are just like spread out. And like it's amazing how like creative you can get just like Mm -hmm. messing with like the supernatural and like just like other planes of reality and like it's so it's so fun it's so stupid fun and like i can just Mm -hmm. have a lot of fun working on like an anthology comic series so there's none of this is out in the air right now like none of this is out in the open which i'm like man i really wish i had something to like show i do have two (laughs) completed chapters of that anthology so that's cool i can't wait to be able to put that out because i'll probably sell that anthology series Uh as its own thing just to introduce people Mm -hmm. Uh to my like to my work and probably do that slowly just through like social media and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so uh yeah where i'm at right now in the process i'm basically creating like a a a list of um or a stack of like references for myself of like what my design language is Mm -hmm. for this universe and that's what i'm in the middle of right now is like really like nailing down like the visual style and like drawing like a bunch of heads for myself of like, this is what the eyes look like in this universe. And like, Mm -hmm. this is how hair works. Mm -hmm. And then I'll jump back into the anthology, probably get a good, like 15 chapters done in that one book. And then uh, I've already written the main graphic novel or a a draft of it that I'm really happy with. So yeah, once that Mm -hmm. anthology is done, I can jump back into that, get the writing like really set and then, make the full graphic novel and it should be should be a real good time oh that's so exciting 
yeah. Sounds like it's already like really thought out. Like you have like a good game plan of how to approach it. Yeah. I was gonna say, what is it about like horror that really interests you? Uh, well, my mom put me on '80s horror movies a lot <laughs> when I was a kid. Uh, <laughs> '80s and like '90s horror movies were like are like at the foundation of like who I am as a person. Just like growing up watching like Chucky movies and like mm. Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, I think also too is just like there are so many. There's something about horror movies that can just go in so many different directions. And nowadays, like I'm kind of exposing myself to all the different like subgenres of horror. Horror is a really deep, mm-hmm. like there's uh, yeah. so much to it. Like yeah. I mm-hmm. I discovered a genre of films called giallo films recently, um, which are like Italian murder mysteries from like the 70s and like wow. early 80s. Oh wow! And they are insane. They have like the music in them go, go so hard for no reason. Like it's extremely inappropriate for the moment that the music is taking place. in. it's kind of like a Tarantino movie in a way where it just like music just kind of like it's really awkwardly placed. But uh-huh. you're just like it makes you feel things you probably shouldn't be feeling at that moment that you're watching the movie. <laughs> but like, yeah, just like the practical effects and like the behind the scenes work that goes into all of that stuff, too. It's just absolutely awesome. But um. And even going into like the 2000s, like era of like horror movies where it was like super like edgy and like skeptical uh, and uh, like the huge spectacle, just like costume design and just creature design. That's a big thing. And mm-hmm. my thing is like costumes and like creatures is a mm-hmm. huge thing that I'm really into. So like movies like The Thing and Hellraiser, just like really yeah. iconic like looks like, yeah, super, super into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. dude no that's great that's great no i i watched uh the devil's backbone not too long ago and like that's also like in the horror genre but like it was a different horror movie that i've never kind of seen before because i'm just so used to like the one the jump scare ones but this one was just like yeah. it's just the way it was shot and filmed just got me to feel like an easy in certain moments and like i like that and it gave me a, a greater appreciation for like that genre of just horror just the different yeah. mm-hmm. how are you saying there's so many different subgenres within it so it's, it's dope I've actually never seen that Devil's Back. I would, uh, I would recommend name, it. Mm-hmm. All right, I gotta check I it out. Is that recent? Uh, uh, no, it's like it's one of his older stuff. I want to oh, say okay. like probably early two thousands. Yeah, maybe uh, two thousand one. Yeah, early two thousands. Oh. That was right. Woo! <laughs> I think it's it's become like more in the public eye too of like the horror genre and like more popular recently. I think especially with like what Jordan Peele's films and things like that. I, yeah. I, I've like mm-hmm. grown a greater appreciation for horror, like in general, because, yeah, I think when I was younger, I was like, oh, yeah, like jump scares or like slasher films. I'm like, oh, that seems kind of scary. I'm, I'm not really into yeah. scaring myself, but there's a lot mm-hmm. that goes. It doesn't always happen, but like some horror films really like the themes and the characters and like what's happening to them is all like tied into like the idea of the horror. And I think that's just so like interesting so clever oh yeah especially mm-hmm. when it's sort of like the there's some like subtle commentary or something underneath i'm like yeah yes. there's a lot to appreciate in that genre sometimes you just want to see a, a slasher though but and that's fine oh too. Yeah, yeah for sure <laughs> all respect to the slashers especially mm-hmm. when they can do something creative with it yeah um mm-hmm. you brought up nope and real quick i mean you brought up jordan peele well, see yeah, i already spoiled nope, for sure but i <laughs> love nope so much that is probably one of my new favorite films and i love talking Mm -hmm. about it with people so much and i'm just gonna plug that here if anyone hasn't (laughs) seen nope it has nothing to do with me i never worked on it but go watch it if you haven't seen it (laughs) just a recommendation just a good recommendation Mm -hmm. yep one of the second the last things i kind of want to ask you before we start wrapping up is that uh, how do you feel like your cultural background influences you or your art uh, it immensely influences my art. I grew up in uh, Detroit, Michigan, and Detroit is a super, it's dense culturally, mm. um, and I've seen it change so, 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 so much. Like, growing up, Detroit was kind of barren. Like, the culture was still heavy, and I, like, come from so many different, like, cultural backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Like, I grew up in a... um. And um, you could almost say kind of like a conservative African uh, tradition mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that strongly valued like martial arts and uh, African dance and just like 
like just family mm-hmm. and togetherness. And uh, I went to a school that had that same like same foundation. There's a level of spirituality that's involved with all of that. Um, and just like a connection to like nature and just kind of like your like inner self that is expressed through art and like through things like African masks and like wood mm-hmm. sculpture and like mask making and stuff like that, that um you'll see to be very prevalent in my artwork for this horror series that I'm creating. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, just like that huge sense of like community and just like the different ways, like your influences, like I just like studying like culture and like zeitgeist, you know what I mean? So like there, cause there was, I was on two very different sides of things. So there's that more conservative African kind of side of things where we kind of wore like a specific uniform and we spoke in a certain way and we referred to like our elders in a specific way. And, but mm. then I go to art school and I go back into like straight up like inner city Detroit. And all of a sudden it's like regular African-American culture. And it's like a completely different thing, but it's mm. valuable in its own way on like so many levels. And just like the way that like people like express their identity. Also, just the city itself, like the architecture in Detroit mm-hmm. is really beautiful. And then like it's really like old, but like. There's so much like molding and there's like little lions like carved into like buildings that mm. like, why did they do that? Like mm-hmm. just because it looked cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, in college, I would do a lot of like urban exploring and stuff and like go a lot, go around with my friends down like the old train tracks and like in the old like abandoned buildings and stuff and do a lot of like pictures and like artwork and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I just like exploring like the urban setting and like the horrors that can kind of like come out of just like. There's there's like a certain like surrealism mm-hmm. that like I that I like to pull out of that environment. Like mm-hmm. modern horror movies tend to often take place in like suburban like neighborhoods yeah, yeah. and like that's and that's the horrors that like this family that should I in theory be totally fine is all of a sudden disrupted by this like natural this uh supernatural thing. Mm-hmm. But me personally, I like when things are set in an environment that is like, you can already tell like something could pop off here. You know what I'm saying? Cause like you mm-hmm. never, there's so much going on. You don't know mm-hmm. where the horror is coming from. You know what I mean? And it's like, there's so many cool angles you can come from like in that like urban setting. So like, I like to think about that a lot when I'm putting my characters together and stuff. And just like, especially with like the fashion sense, I really like streetwear. Yeah. Like when I'm designing mm-hmm. characters. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's uh. That's where most of my influences come from, for sure. Oh, and Scream, the new Scream movie that's coming out is set in New York now instead of in like a typical suburban neighborhood. So now oh, they're making oh, that's that gonna shit. that's going to be interesting. And that's, yeah. that's going to be a huge difference for that series. And I've been waiting for mm-hmm. them to kind of experiment for a, a while. The last one was good, but I still thought it was a little too similar, like the original. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the kind of experimentation I like to see. For sure. Yeah. That's so exciting to like imagining the things that you're describing is like mm-hmm. you know the fear of the unknown is always like just inherent yeah and like coming across like sit like an old building or something that like you don't know what happened here before it's inherently yeah. scary like it's creepy right 100 no, i absolutely love that just kind of going back to that uh like the roots i suppose <laughs> mm-hmm. like the idea mm-hmm. of a haunted house or a abandoned building yeah you find stuff in those places too all the time, like people's like belongings. Oh <laughs> like, my god, it's, no! <laughs> it's like a it's, no. it's a whole thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, well, perfect. Uh, before we get into our last question, thank you so much, Jalen, for joining us today. Where can our audience find you? And is there anything else you would like to promote? I think for now, I'll just promote like my main like social media pages. The comic is still in the works and you'll be able to plug yourself into that once, you know, that starts getting released and it'll most likely be through my Instagram. And my Instagram is J underscore T underscore Lucas, J, uh, JT Lucas. And my Twitter account, you can find me at JT Lucas. That's J-T-E-A, like iced tea, oh, okay. J-T Lucas, <laughs> uh, no underscores. And my website, which has all of my social medias on it, if you want to find if you want to find them, there is jtatelucas.com. J-T-A-T-E-L-U-C-A-S dot com. Awesome. You guys can check out his storyboards, too, there. So yes. awesome. Mm-hmm. 
No, yeah, I was looking over your portfolio, dude. I was gushing over your boards. They're really, really oh, fun. Oh, thanks, man. I gotta, I gotta cut out a lot of. Um, somebody just made a really good point to me recently that like they were like, yeah, I hate when like people put up their porf- uh, their storyboard portfolios and they leave in like all of the uh, like every frame of like their board because like if you're clicking through and it's literally like you're watching like every step of it instead of just like the highlight moments. Like mm-hmm. portfolio people who are reviewing portfolios like aren't gonna have time to like mash the like like click like the button in order to get through a whole thing. Mm-hmm. So some mm-hmm. advice for everyone listening: if you're uploading a PDF of your storyboards of uh, in your portfolio for your website, try to trim the fat a little bit so that when people are clicking through it, they can really just focus on like the parts that matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe shorten shorten a run cycle if you have a run. Maybe just like yes. two or three panels just to get yes. the idea across. That exactly. that makes that makes a lot of sense. Because mm. yeah, you well, need those as an animatic. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess I guess on that on that advice uh, as we come to a close, do you have any final advice that you want to for those that want to pursue a career in animation? Advice for people who want to pursue a career in animation: one, be networking and. Be very be nice to people, be kind to people and like reach out to people and let and let them know. And just like like show like show your respects to the people that are like in this industry and like ask people questions and like keep up with other individuals. And no matter what point or place they are in the industry, mm. like that same level of like passion, like that you might like show to like somebody who's been in the game for a while, you know what I'm saying? And you're gushing over them. Like, remember that same level of like communicativeness with people that are like at your level too, and kind of work your way up with them because mm-hmm. that's like really that's, that's networking, honestly, because run one, you never know where people are going to end up. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. But you want to be genuine about it. You know what I'm saying? You're not just trying to like, get something out of everybody that you're meeting up with you want it to be like a genuine interest and you want to build yourself up with everybody but like yeah just like be be humble about your approach when it comes to networking and like don't count anybody out keep everybody up and they'll do the same for you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no well put yeah that's that's a really good advice well thanks again for joining us today and if you audience enjoyed our interview with Jalen, please rate and follow us on anchor spotify or wherever you tune in Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at straightaheadap. If you have any suggestions for future guests, please contact us on social media or send us an email at straightaheadpodcast at gmail.com. We love discovering new professionals and want to use this platform to boost these voices of the future. Special thanks to our editor, Ashley Itlion. And finally, a big thanks to music composer, Daniel Redier. Thanks again for listening. And thank you once again to our guest, who has a bright future, straight ahead. Until next week, have a wonderful day. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.